memorable time. Okay, Jack. Hunting the this is it. The doors are unlocked. I learned the ways of the Eskimo moment, and the Aleuts. It all comes not a pretty people, this. Jack. You're not the same man you were this morning, are you, Jack? Huh? You're better, you're stronger, then, you're a man in control of your own destiny, voice. Jack. And Psych yourself up, Jack. Oh, See yourself God. opening the doors, Jack. See yourself jumping from the truck, Jack. You're not gonna back groceries all your life, are you, Jack? Are you? See yourself being a hero, Jack. Psych yourself up. Nam yo horingikyom, nam yo horingikyom, nam yo horingikyom. Can you do it, Jack? Can you see it, Jack? Can you see it? Yes! I can see it! Welcome back, Amblin' fans. You are listening to Ramblin' and Amblin' Podcast. The podcast where we hop in the miniaturizer to head out on a fantastic voyage of discovery, examining each and every Amblin' Entertainment film in microscopic detail. I am one half of your host, Andrew Godian. And I'm the other half of your host, Joshua Glenn. And today we are happy to be joined by the writer behind the Movie Nerd Strikes Back blog, Martin White. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and pumped up to uh, talk about this uh, film with you guys. <laughs> yes, That's what we like favorites. to hear. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, very happy to have... Uh, 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 it will be a bit of a spoiler alert to say that I think for quite a few people on this uh, on this podcast right now, this is a, this is a firm favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how long have you been uh, running the Movie Nerd Strikes Back blog, Martin? Uh, I started off in 2014, um, around September 2014. Um, so I had quite a traumatic event in that year, in the summer of that year, and uh, I wanted to, um, while I was, while I was getting back uh, better, like getting better, um, I wanted to to do something with film, and um, I felt like writing about film was the best way um to, to to do it um so yeah it went from there and it went through a lot of different changes um over over the uh, course of seven years and i've finally got it to a place where I, I really love it now um i've i've had it like all like kind of like um kind of all the, the kind of design of it it's all been updated and mm-hmm. stuff um so yeah i got it to a point where, where i'm really proud of my blog at the moment so yeah 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 you good. should be man it's brilliant <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> You you really feel the, the the deep deep love of movie coming out uh, over all your pieces on that yeah. site. Yeah, a um, lot of hard work's been put into it over the last few years, so yeah, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, you should be, man. And is uh, is Amblin Amblin movies a big part of that kind of like big love that you have for film in general? Um, yeah, I f- I think so. Since an early age, I've always loved ET. Um, that is like one mm-hmm. film that I I have a personal. Uh, personal attachment to um I've, I've always loved that since a really early age um i was just able to to relate to it on such a personal level um so yeah yeah i think et was like pretty much the main main film for me when it comes to amblin yeah yeah 
very much the one that you look to that encapsulates the kind of tone that you think of. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. And like thinking about the logo of the, you know, the boy mm-hmm. in ET, like riding on the bike across the moonlight. So yeah, yeah. I think as soon as I think about Amblin, I just go straight to ET. Absolutely, yeah. every time. It's a good place to go. And seeing as you yeah. mentioned ET, I, I'd be remiss to not ask you, as as is my want to do. Uh, does it make you cry? Do you cry at ET? No, I there's there's not yeah. been any film that made me cry. Um, wow. Gonna, I feel like my heart is made out not of stone. Not even in a space. <laughs> <laughs> I, not, even, not even in a space. Um, I, I, I feel, obviously I feel sad during films, but yeah. there hasn't been any film that's actually made me fall and cry. I don't know. I just, wow, I, maybe I'm just I'm just an emotionally numb person. I don't know. <laughs> we have all the extremes in this episode. I I cry. I, it takes nothing, no stimulus whatsoever, to make me cry a lot of the time. <laughs> Andy's somewhere in the middle. Sometimes will, but doesn't cry. Yeah. Et. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Not et. <fair> <laughs> um. So we 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 joke about in a space containing cry-worthy content. But in case anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast uh, hasn't seen in a space, I mean, first of all, listeners, if you haven't seen in a space, pause the podcast and go and watch it because it's tremendous yes. fun. And uh, we are going to spoil it. If that's even possible with a film like this, which yeah. we'll get into later on. Uh, but in case any stubborn listeners haven't paused it and continue to listen on having not seen it, can you let them know, Andrew, what the film in a space is about? I would bloody love to, Joshua Glenn. Uh, (laughs) Get ready for an adventure of incredible proportions. Set in San Francisco. (laughs) Inner Space stars Dennis Quaid as hot-headed US Navy aviator Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton. He has a problem with authority and a bigger problem with drink. Unable to straighten up and fly right, Tuck resigns his commission with his drunken behaviour also proving too much for his long-suffering girlfriend, reporter Lydia Maxwell, played by Meg Ryan. But not to worry, he's got a new job lined up to keep his mind occupied. Tuck has signed up to be a test pilot in an experiment being conducted by Vectoscope Labs. They have developed the technology to miniaturise a craft with a pilot, Tuck, inside to microscopic proportions. The plan is to shrink Tuck in the pod and inject him into a rabbit. And this being a Joe Dante movie, the rabbit is, of course, called Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and once in Bugs, the, the idea is to run a test of the craft's capabilities. But after Tuck is shrunk in the minimizer and placed in the syringe ready for injection, a rival organization attacks the lab with some PG-friendly knockout gas, keen to get their hands <laughs> on the groundbreaking tech. <laughs> While these goons, led by scientist Dr. Margaret Kanker, played by Fiona Lewis, steal one of the chips vital to making the process of the miniaturizer work, one scientist, Ozzy, played by John Horror, manages to flee the scene with the syringe carrying Tuck along with him, desperate not to let him let Tuck and the craft containing the second essen- essential chip fall into the wrong hands. Pursued and fatally wounded by silent metal-armed henchman Igo, played by Vernon Wells, Ozzy injects Tuck into the closest person to him, who happens to be a hypochondriac grocery clerk named Jack Putter, played by Martin Short. After connecting devices to Jack's optic nerve and eardrum, Tuck manages to establish communication with his new host, and must convince Jack to help him find the other chip and get back to Vectorscope Labs before his air supply runs out. With time not on their side, Tuck leads Jack to the only person he knows he can trust, Lydia. 
and together they find out that the stolen chip is in possession of a crooked businessman by the name of Victor Scrimshaw, played by Kevin McCarthy, who plans to use his flamboyant associate, the cowboy, played by Robert Picardo, <laughs> <laughs> to sell the miniaturizing chips to the highest bidder. Together, Tuck, Jack, and Lydia try to find a way to intercept the cowboy and get their hands on the stolen chip to restore Tuck back to his regular size, all the while not letting Scrimshaw get his hands on Jack with Tuck and the other chip inside him. <laughs> that, that is inner space. <laughs> that, that is. That is that's maybe beautifully said the way you said the plot synopsis there. That was beautifully said. <laughs> it makes me want to watch it again now, man. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've watched this film. It's, yeah, well. It's been a massive film obsession for me for, for many years. Yeah. So do you, do you, you remember, remember the, the first. Fo- you go, Andy. Oh, well, look okay. at us. <laughs> look at us, okay. eh? <laughs> um, do you remember the first time you saw it then? The the maiden viewing? Um, it was uh, many years ago. I was really young uh, when we had it on VHS. Um, I think we had it recorded off TV because it was a more edited version when it cut all the kind of uh, bad language. Yeah, um, you always do that, little don't scenes. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, when I, when I, I remember when I first watched it, I was just... I thought this was like the best film ever made. Um, I was so obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I would just keep watching it over and over again on video. I'm surprised that I haven't worn out the um, VHS copy <laughs> yeah. I had back years back. Um, my mum always found it quite amusing. Like she always wondered what what it was about that film that I was so obsessed with and why why I kept analysing it and watching it over and over again. And basically, I the answer I gave her is the answer I'd give anyone uh, in three words is, is because it's perfect. It's just, <laughs> perfect. it's just a perfect film for me in every conceivable way. Because um, the, 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 there are films like where like I can be I can be like, oh, that was a good film, but maybe they could improve in, in that area. But within a space, there's nothing I can fault on with this film. <laughs> Everything is just so, so pitch perfect. Um, the acting, the direction, cinematography, you know, the um, Oscar winning special effects. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, baby. <laughs> um, just, uh, and also the music score by Jerry Goldsmith is, I think, the, the best score he's ever composed. Because um, I always like, for, for a while, I always like um, kind of went between his score for this film and Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah, like I my two favourite scores. Score. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're like my two favourite scores. But I think the score for Inner Space just kind of slightly edges it for me teeny tiny bit more. We should uh, we should point out to, to you listeners that me and uh, Martin have turned up to this video call wearing the exact same Jerry Goldsmith t-shirt we from have, Last Exit to Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Which they... includes Inner Space in its credits. Damn right, it does it indeed, does. yeah. Should also point out <laughs> listeners that they didn't tell me they were going to do this, so I'm sitting here like a, a chap liver over here. <laughs> yeah. no jerry goldsmith yeah but no it's, it's nice i love hearing that level of enthusiasm especially about a film one of the all-time great shrinking people movies uh in the space yeah uh andy do you do you have a, a, a recollection of your first viewing um yeah yeah it's it was again another one of these ones where like i feel like they don't do it anymore but bbc one always would show a a amblin most of the time an amblin film on a, like a sunday afternoon yeah, yeah. between like which is probably the same place I had it recorded off the TV that <laughs> Martin's tape had. I rem- I remember watching it for the first time. I must have been about seven, 
I would say, which is kind of the perfect moment to watch this absolutely silly mad ball <laughs> film. <laughs> Where like as a kid all the kind of like left left field turns just don't feel that weird. <laughs> yeah. It really appreciates having that <laughs> that view on it. Um but I must say it's not one that I had as a kind of like constant growing up. It was one I remember watching quite young but then don't really remember watching again until um, I, I remember watching it one night with you at university, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've probably only seen it um, all the way through three times, once as a kid, that time of year at uni, and uh, yesterday. Holy cow! <laughs> what, a, what a treat for you there. What a treat that was. <laughs> no, I remember that. That was, uh, we, we just lost my granddad, and a few of yeah. you guys oh, came no. round to the flat and we watched Inner Space. It was uh, a go-to comfort viewing. And it's 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 been a, a sick day staple for me. It just there's something about it that just is so. I think it is is the it's got the lemonade um, hyperactivity of a, like a kid at a school disco sliding around on his knees. And I think sometimes you just need a little bit of that when you need a little pick me up. But this was um, this was very much one that. I, I also took off the TV because do you remember back in the day? <laughs> Sound like it's such an old back fart right day. now. <laughs> <laughs> We're so used to having everything streamable, uh, or you know, legally or illegally at the moment, that you kind of forget that in our in our childhood you had to wait for the whims of TV scheduling largely. And this, much like you guys, I recorded it off TV, probably BBC One on a Sunday, and. Um, but back on, on videotapes, you had about three hours life on there. And I think I recorded it on the end of a tape after something else. And it cut off the ending. So it gets to the part where they go to... <laughs> I know. When they go... When he's disguised as a cowboy and his uh, his disguise fails. And Kevin McCarthy puts them in the little jail cell thing underground. Oh, cellar, yeah. So yeah. I think the, the momentum is just the building end. to that crescendo. <laughs> and it just... And it, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it cut off. And we're all watching it and it, and it suddenly vanished. And I was absolutely... <laughs> crestfallen I, th- I think i probably cried actually so in a roundabout <laughs> way inner space has made me cry in, uh, in the past yeah. i don't know about you guys but did you ever when when he's like he's his face changes back into jack potter from the cowboy did you ever used to probably didn't do this because i'm quite sad but i used to like pause that scene and play it in slow motion because <laughs> i was so fascinated with how they did the face changing scene they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was amazed I, I was like i've never seen anything like that in the film before i was like oh wow this is the best thing ever i need to <laughs> i need to know how they did this <laughs> i used to try and replicate it with my mum's hair dryer I used to blow that in my face and try and replicate yeah. the. Um, yeah. <laughs> Get the high I think that's how going. they did. They, that's how they did it, didn't they? They used a hairdryer to to stick under mm-hmm. the guy, the actor's Something face. like that, yeah. Some, so, some yeah. strong yeah. gust of air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a uh, long, long fought, uh, long fought viewing for me. Tracking down in a space, I finally found it in my. I used to go to my auntie and uncle's house and, and raid their video cupboard to see what they had and what I could borrow and I happened to find it one day about a year or so after uh, my failed viewing off the TV and it was it was the happy it was like I discovered one eye Willie's treasure it was the happiest I've ever been up to that point. <laughs> <laughs> finally find out how it ended <laughs> yeah and it just yeah fr- from that point on it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder <laughs> and weirder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man so to um just to to give this this mad movie a little bit of context, we'll uh we'll go back to our last discussion about Joe Dante, which was Gremlins, fill in a bit of the gap between then and now. 
so as as Andy pointed out in that episode, Gremlins was a, a big success, almost 150 million domestically and, and 212 million worldwide. So Dante was, in his own words, at a rare point in his career when people were like, hey, let's get this guy. Uh, so he was therefore given a script by Eric Luke for a film called Explorers, which was originally going to be done by Wolfgang Pearson, who wanted to film in Germany, but I think the studio were a little bit unsure about that. So they parted ways and it happened, uh, happened to Dante. Uh, he came on board and he had trouble with uh, the third act, which you know, basically was that there wasn't really a third act. I think in the original script, the boys go into space, play baseball with the aliens, and then it kind of just finishes. So uh, he tried to do a bit of work on that, but there was a lot of rushing involved in the production. And the studio kind of said, you know, just figure it out as you go. We can, we can, you know, rewrite as we, as we go along. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, but then as they were filming, uh, the studio changed hands and they reduced the time frame of filming. And then in post, they reduced the post-production period. So they genuinely had to just stop editing it at one point. So they never quite had the time to do what they needed to do to make the third act Explore work. Explore explorers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, you watched it. We both watched it, didn't we, for uh, a bit of context for this. And it you, 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 can, you can almost feel the point at which it just flies out of his hands and and loses control have you ever seen it martin i've not seen explorers no this is mm. one film i need i need to watch yeah I've, i i know i know of it and people have sp- spoken to me about it in the past but yeah, yeah i need to get on that yeah it's got a lot going for it in mm. general like the mm. solid like it is the sort of film where it's amazing it's not an emblem movie because it's got everything that you kind of expect yeah. of that yeah. emblem vibe yeah for that period yeah. particularly that mid-80s period yeah mm. and uh really great yeah. Performances cool. from like Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix and yeah. that first role. Oh, okay. so it, it, oh, it's wow. got a lot of, oh, I did I didn't realise River Phoenix it. was in it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise River Phoenix was in it. Oh wow. Yeah, it's uh yeah. And obviously uh Dick Miller's uh, in there as well, playing of course. Uh, I originally thought he was gonna be kind of the keys character, like in E. T. but then like so many threads in that film, it just vanishes <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the final third, which is kinda like uh it's like it's like having two thirds of E. T. followed by 30 minutes of um, Gremlins 2 energy at the very end. It's so, so bizarre. <laughs> and then to to, com- to compound the production troubles, it opens a week after a little film called Back to the Future. So he just completely gets buried at the box office. Uh, had a bad uh, opening weekend and, and yeah, just disappeared afterwards. Mm. Uh, he's kind of got a bit of a cult following now, but obviously at the time it was a big hit for, for Joe Dante, who had just got on this this platform and, and was now clawing to get it back. So he needed, not dissimilar to Zemeckis ahead of Romancing the Stone, he needed a bit a bit of a win just to get himself back in in the good graces, which is what led him to Inner Space. Uh, this began as an original script by Chip Prosser. Prosser or Prosser? You know when you, read, it, when you read a word yeah. and, yeah, and, and don't say it aloud? <laughs> Chip, we'll decide. <laughs> I'm going to crowdsource this. Do we think Prosser? Yeah. Chip well, yeah, I think Prozer. Yeah. We'll say Prozer. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Who uh, Chip Prozer wrote it and, and said it was basically a rip-off of Fantastic Voyage, uh, with his uh, innovation being that the big guy was up and moving around and could react to what was going on inside. And I, I, I also, because I have a huge, huge thing for shrinking people movies, I also watched mm. Fantastic Voyage, which is one that I've never seen in its entirety. And it's it's astounding how simple that movie is. It's just, it, the guy is, is stationary yeah. on a... On a, a gurney for the whole movie and it's just abc kind of plotting and it's amazing how completely in the opposite direction this film goes 
Uh, the script <laughs> was optioned by Peter Goober, who listeners might recognise as the exec producer of The Colour Purple, uh, at Warner Brothers in 1984. And he offered it to Dante then, actually, but he turned it down because it you know, wasn't where he was back in uh, back at that time. Goober had the script rewritten by Jeffrey Bohm, who'd previously adapted uh, Stephen King's The Dead Zone for David Cronenberg, uh, who fleshed out the characters and gave it a comedic bent. Bohm said, The idea was kind of ridiculous, which was uh, a miniature person person miniaturised and put in someone else's body. That's all I kept from the original script. They originally thought it might be a Michael J. Fox inside Arnold Schwarzenegger's body. Uh, I kept turning it down and they were persistent and kept coming back to me. Oh. <laughs> Can you what imagine <laughs> what might have been uh, Michael J. Fox inside Arnold I'm right here inside you, inside your body. <laughs> what, are, you, are you telling me there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger Who told you you could kiss my girlfriend? Inside my body? <laughs> heavy, heavy duty, Arnie. I've, I've, <laughs> I found out that they, they actually considered Mel Gibson as the role of uh, Jack Potter as well. Yeah, oh, I don't goodness. understand that so at weird. all. No, I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad it wasn't. Was there, when, what year was, uh, Lethal Weapon was 86, right? Was it 87? 87, 87. So he has yeah. that unhinged charm quality, which is, uh, yeah, I guess not a million miles away from Dennis Quaid. There's something no, he was slightly for the unhinged. Martin Short role. Oh, no, for the Martin, Martin Short, Short role. Yeah, God, yeah, right. yeah. That's weird. <laughs> no man. <laughs> no way. Two intensely odd gentlemen of the same energy level. Um, and Dante yeah. says of of Bohm's adapt- adapta- adaptation of the original script, Bohm approached it from the concept of what would happen if we shrank Dean Martin down and injected him inside Jerry Lewis, which I think is a much more sensible character dynamic uh, to approach. Uh, Bohm went on to say, I felt like I could do anything, and so the script I wrote was very loony and far out there, and everybody loved it. Dick Donner, Joe Dante, John Carpenter, which is an interesting one to consider, uh, and even Steven Spielberg wanted to do it. So when Steven wanted to do it, Warner thought I was God, and any amount of money it would take (laughs) to do the movie they would spend. Steve ultimately decided he would only produce, and so Joe came along and really latched onto the idea. So I guess once they'd embraced the zaniness... That is what sort of tickled Joe. There's only two things I get from that quote from Bohm <laughs> is that it's like I could do anything I want, and <laughs> yeah. I am a god. <laughs> hey man, you write a script like Inner Space, and you will think you're a god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got Goober, Spielberg, and Prosa on uh, producer duties, and rounding out the producers were Michael Finnell, who was pretty much Dante's guy in the eighties, producing yeah. his previous mm. three and a half films. I say half because Rock and Roll High School was. Half directed and uncredited, so I guess not. Not canon for Dante's filmography. Uh, you also have Amblin's Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall. And last but not least is a man who listeners uh, should know well by now. Uh, Mr. Giant Metallic Metal Spider himself. Producer of Wild Wild West. Yes, that's right. John Peters. Mr. Peters. Somehow Wild Wild West. John Peters. Worm, worm his way back into this discussion. <laughs> I also I, I noticed that in um, one of the things in the final third of Explorers is there is a giant metallic spider on the alien ship, and I had to check the IMDb listings to see if John Peters produced that. <laughs> but no. So that's uh, that's the behind the camera action. In front of the camera, uh, we have Dennis Quaid as Tuck Pendleton. So at this point in the eighties, um, he, I guess, was just his star was just rising. Uh, he was he gained notice in Peter Yates' Breaking Away in seventy nine. 
after which he bounced around in a you know frat comedies a walter hill movie a film called tough enough which was directed by richard fleischer who also did fantastic voyage so a little bit of a pre-inner space connection there and of course jaws 3d um he later got (laughs) 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 he got good reviews uh playing gordon cooper in philip kaufman's the right stuff in 83 and then between that and this he made dreamscape and enemy mine uh two very sort of generic 80s sounding movies and then later in 87 he also made the big easy and suspect so yeah quite quite a a busy year for all three of them actually uh not in 87 um then on the on the foil, the comedic foil role, you got Martin Short as Jack Putter. He rose to prominence as part of SCTV, which is kind of, in a reductive sense, Canada's SNL. Uh, he was on that show from 82 to 83, alongside the likes of Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara and Rick Moranis and John Candy and those guys. He joined SNL for the 1984-95 season and helped revive the show after Eddie Murphy's departure. He then starred in the one-hour Showtime special in 1985, uh, which aired on CBS the next year, and his first major film role was Three Amigos in 1986, which was directed by Redacted. Uh, later in 1987, he also had a rom-com called Cross My Heart with Annette O'Toole, which bombed and looks to have sunk with that trace, really. <laughs> and yeah, then, I've never heard of it. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot, so many of these films just sound like... No ripple. <laughs> they, they, a lot of them sound like those fake posters in 30 Rock, you know, those, those fake movies they have. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the cinemas. And then uh, rounding out the principles, you have Meg Ryan as Lydia Maxwell. And this was a couple of years. I was trying to place her uh, in 87. It's a couple of years before when Harry met Sally. So she she's, again, her star is rising. Would it be a couple of years before she properly blew up and became the Meg Ryan that we know today? Uh, her debut was in Top George Cuckoo's <laughs> In 1981, yeah, she played Betsy Stewart in a daytime drama called As the World Turns from 82 to 84. Did a few commercials, a few little small TV and film roles, including Charles in Charge. Charles in Charge. I was. I thought I'd give a gap in case you wanted to sing the, the theme tune to that, because I thought that might be something you'd do. I appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in eight, in eighty six, as you just said, Andy, she played Carol Bradshaw, the wife of the late great Goose, in Top Gun, and uh, Maggie Cavanaugh in John Candy, in, in a John Candy vehicle named Armed and Dangerous. And then after In a Space, she got an Independent Spirit Award nomination in eighty seven for Promised Land, which again is a film that I haven't really heard of. Uh, so they're all uh, they're all kind of I guess at a, a similarish level in their careers, not huge yet, but on the rise. Um, I always forget that Meg Ryan's in Top Gun. I always forget yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favourite films, but yeah, it's I always It's Meg Ryan. <laughs> hey, there she is. Hey, where did Meg Ryan go? I want her back. She's such a just a nice, warm screen presence, isn't she, in this, I think, in this stage in her yeah. career. It's very nice to see. Yeah. Uh, so one little tidbit of production that I very much enjoyed uh, discovering was that Dennis Quaid would actually be on set in a booth while he was filming the scenes uh, where he and Martin Short's character interact. Dante said, uh, Dennis would hew to the script a little more than Marty. Uh, after you get a scene in the can, he'd beg for more takes in the voice of Catherine Hepburn, which was hard to resist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he expanded. Uh, I, I wanted to read this quote from Dante as well, because it, it's very revealing of what it must be like to work on a film with Martin Short. All I can tell is that take 10 was so different uh, from take one. You would wonder if it was the same movie. For me, it was a process of discovery. 
Marty was building his character and sometimes he would try different things. Sometimes an idea in the first attempt would blossom into something else in the sixth or seventh take. Sometimes that can be tough on the other actors, especially if they gave their all on the first couple of takes and they have to keep going through the motions. But in this case, it was so it was such a copaceptic movie and everyone was having such a good time that it became the Marty Short Show. <laughs> uh, which is must be quite nice. Uh, Dante said of Spielberg that he was very good at protecting him from studio meddling. Uh, being a filmmaker himself, he kind of knew what to provide for filmmakers in terms of support. And it sounds like I remember on on the Gremlins episode we talked about a similar dynamic in that I yeah. think he gave Dante a lot of um, runway to kind of make the film his own, do what he wanted to do, kind of the opposite of the Toby Hooper poltergeist experience from the sounds of things. Um, and yeah, much like in Gremlins, this is very much Dante's baby. You can see his little Looney Tunes madcap fingerprints all over it. Uh, the VFX that you mentioned, Martin, at the start, which are you know spectacular, were done by Dennis Murren and his team at ILM, and they were created using scale miniatures and rod puppets, which uh, yeah, we used to sort of create a, a look that is so contrasting to Fantastic Voyage, which is very much like a psychedelic lava lamp look. Yeah. Um, and this is something that's much more uh, cramped and fleshy. And then uh, Dante said of the science behind the film, we did a lot of medical research, obviously, um, and a lot of science research because you don't want to go too far away from reality in trying to get people to believe something they would find unbelievable. The whole design of the laboratory and the fact that all the extras were actual scientists helped. You know, I certainly wasn't going to be able to tell extras how to do scientific experiments in the background. So they were there for a week or two, and I think it gave a certain verisimilitude that the film would have lacked <laughs> if we had just tried to do it on our own. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think uh, more, more true to life is a quote from Dennis Quaid that he did during press for the movies. Imagine someone today saying this. Dennis Quaid said, It's a dumb, stupid comedy, which is exactly what people need in the summertime. It's very idiotic, and I love it. We encounter every dumb, <laughs> stupid cliche in the book. Leave your brain at the home and you'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the best way to go in. Like, I know. Because yeah. Yeah. Like, clearly, the, like, most of the reading I did around this was largely around how Dante feels the marketing missed the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. Didn't yeah, sell absolutely. it as that yeah. big, dumb, stupid comedy that Dennis Quaid's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, and the, the the last little little tidbit of production was that Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid met on set and later married. Uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I I tried to look look this up and I couldn't find it confirmed or not, but I, I like to think that Jack Quaid is named after Jack yeah, yeah. in a space because they met on the movie. <laughs> Jack Potter Machine Zero Defense. <laughs> um. Uh, it didn't didn't do spectacularly in the US. Grossed no. twenty five point nine million no. in North America yeah. off a twenty seven million budget. Uh, the 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 figures that I found talked about theatrical rentals, which is not something that I'm too okay yeah, it's, with. It's, it's a weird wording. Yeah, <laughs> it's um apparently it's the uh, the distributor's share of a film's theatrical revenue, which is I think a lot of old films were measured in in such a way. But I don't know. Uh, made fourteen million in theatrical rentals, and then a further twenty eight million worldwide in in rentals. So. A 42 million worldwide box office is what I found, which is you know not too great for a film that was this big and uh, mm. no. and and, and top heavy. Presents. Yeah, 
Yeah. One thing it did do, as I think you mentioned, Martin, was it won the 1988 Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, which was it very... Should have, well. It should have won more Oscars, to be fair, but... <laughs> yeah, oh, well. <laughs> can't have everything. Yeah, every category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vernon Wells, Best, best actor, actor, Best Director. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm biased, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, as Andy alluded to, um, Dante does blame a lot of this financial lack of success on the marketing he said uh, the film was a hit on video it was one of the first big videos and it was discovered on video basically uh, although audiences liked it in theaters when i went they were in stitches the ad campaign was so terrible for that movie it was just a giant thumb with a tiny little pod on it you couldn't tell that it was a comedy you couldn't tell anything and it had a terrible title because we could never figure out a better one and the studio botched the selling of it i mean they liked the movie and they tried to reissue it even with a different campaign and it still bombed uh, but looking back, he does say it's probably the movie that he made up to then that was the closest to his intention. As a result, he's very happy with it. And when he looks back today, he still thinks it's a tremendous amount of fun. Which, yeah, that's you can't really argue with that, can you? I like the uh, title. Yeah, I like the title too. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, and I, I don't know what else you call it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have absolutely no idea. So yeah, I, I you know, I, I agree that they could have marketed it better, but the title I think is Tickety Boo. Um, so that's yeah that's that's largely i think the groundwork uh for the context of inner space yeah so uh yeah i mean look look looking back on it now i know martin it's it's one that you are uh particularly fond of aren't you so um yeah yeah so yeah so what what how did you feel watching it again this time did anything change for you did you uh, notice anything new there's a few yeah a few bits i picked up on but the, the this is the kind of film like where I can never get bored by it, however many times I watch it. I've 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 rewatched it like two or three times on the same day even and I still don't <laughs> get bored. I just I just love the humour and the romantic subplot and just the kind of yeah, you know, the that's in special effects like when when he um Tuck Pendleton is exploring exploring each you know, each part of the human body. I just I just was so amazed by it throughout my childhood and just wondering how they did that and stuff yeah. it was just so mm-hmm. it's just so mesmerizing to me and yeah um there was one thing i picked up on though uh this time round um you know when um uh they're they're both drinking alcohol yeah um, yeah <laughs> and he sends them into the, to the other room because he wants to see what he looks like in the mirror yeah because he doesn't know what he looks like on the outside obviously um and when like um jack Platt is looking at a picture of Tuck Pendleton. Yeah. There's a book of uh, a novel for the Twilight Zone movie, oh, and I, I, oh, kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of looked uh, looked further into that, and I realised that um, both Joe Dante and Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. both directed a segment of that film, which I found quite interesting. Um, mm. So that was one thing I picked, I haven't picked up on before until yesterday. Um, so yeah, it was like tiny tiny trivia bits like that that I kind of yeah. picked up on that I thought was quite mm. cool. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, you you know how much I feel about this film. It's, uh, it's it, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love it. Oh uh, yeah, I can never get bored by it. <laughs> no, no matter how many times I watch it, yeah. it's just it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's just great. Such <laughs> tremendous fun. I watched it. Um, I'm, I'm I'm back at home visiting the family for the first time in a while, and I watched it with my sister yesterday, and she hadn't seen it since childhood, and watching her glee at just the the wacky turns <laughs> this film takes, it was uh, almost yeah. as fun as watching the film itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
There was one other bit actually I picked up on. You know Mr. Igo? Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. actually noticed this, but the tie he wears, it's actually a um Spider-Man tie. So on his tie, he's got like little like Spider-Man heads from the 60s um cartoon show. Yeah. That's something else I, I, I picked up on. I thought it was quite hilarious because he's quite uh, like an, a kind of a badass character. It's basically like Fun and Wells actually modeled that character on the Terminator. Yeah. So yeah, you see him walk yeah. around wearing a Spider-Man tie is just funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> undercut <laughs> vicious yeah. killer but i love my 60s yeah. spidey <laughs> also also a lover because there's that, that, re- that really quick cutaway oh, yeah. to the scene when he's yeah. um he's get about to get in bed with margaret oh, <laughs> Which I, oh yeah is he making the creme brulee is he glazing a creme brulee or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> who knows with his little flame fry. Oh, it's a very handy thing to have. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you, Andy? Did, did you get a fresh perspective this time? Did you spot anything new? Or um, um, I it's more. I I find the whole build up of the the kind of original script quite interesting, and in that mm. it was originally quite like a straight spy thriller. Yeah. Before um being turned into this D Martin Jerry Lewis type thing. But I do feel like you kind of feel that as that, like, because the opening, I feel like you can, you can easily kind of recontextualize that and realize how it would probably be a slightly oh, yeah, darker yeah. tinge story of a dude who's kind of really run, run himself down and thrown yeah. himself out of job and essentially, and his relationship is in tatters. So it makes, yeah. t- <laughs> I, I, I'm not too sure how the film wants us to feel about Tut Pendleton sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coasted through with his. A, a movie star wattage smile yeah. all the time um, and and then like you then rip there is that point when pretty much as soon as he's injected it takes that more yeah. Looney Tunes-esque approach yeah. And it, yeah, <laughs> whilst yeah. I was watching it it made, really made me think of this quote that I remember from Trey Parker talking about storytelling and yeah. saying that he, he always has a method of uh, a rule called like a rule of replacing ands with either buts or therefores. So like you start with this ha- happens and this happens and then this happens, and then he'll go back and change things to this happens, therefore this happens, but this happens therefore yada yada, and mm-hmm. as a result, allow- makes you think a bit more about the components of the story and allow the writing to flow a bit better. Yeah. And <laughs> for me, the case of Inner Space is they didn't go back and <laughs> replace the, <laughs> and ends with either butts or, yeah. or therefores. Because it is just a complete like escalation um from from a point where it's just like dovetailing into yeah. different baddies and different yeah, yeah. Uh, escapades mm. and different schemes. Um and it, it, the big signifier of that for me is when they just suddenly start mentioning the cowboy yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just suddenly dropped in the middle of this newsroom that Lydia's working in it's just someone just pops their head around the door and just goes the cowboy's in town the cowboy <laughs> what am I jumping over here who's the cowboy <laughs> but it is, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's a bewildering one to me it's a, absolutely bewildering <laughs> I think I think the cowboy had the best lines in that film. <laughs> oh, Robert Picardo is great. Oh, he's amazing. There are two things you should know about me. One, 
I make love with my boots on. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, we never find out what he whispers to her. Yeah, yeah, we find out number two. Yeah, by I all accounts, not, not savoury yeah. detail. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it is so it is so weird because you're right because the first the first act is kind of it's really funny obviously but it's it's much straighter laced and you kind of think you there's one clearly defined plot strand. I kept saying to my sister, yeah, this is going to get so weird so quickly. You will think you want to get the movie. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> I, I was just, and just to echo what we've also been saying is like the, the visual effects are, are what make it oh, man. really yeah. kind of yeah. still stand out. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. hard not to think of this shrinking movie in terms of the, particularly the Ant-Man movies today, which clearly owe a lot to in a space to the point where they even set it in set both of them in san francisco yeah to, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like a uh, tip of their hat as it were yeah and uh all, all of that was that is all quite impressive cg in terms of the scale that they construct in those movies it, it's interesting to like look at the 30, 30 years ago and how they were doing that sort of thing and how much yeah honestly how much better it looks in yeah seven. yeah because yeah. <laughs> because yeah. of that tactility that they yeah. construct in making those miniatures and mm. like pushing water and air through yeah. actual models and mm. shooting yeah. that it really a- adds the t- texture to the whole thing and makes that there's like a deep sea exploration yeah. kind of aesthetic to all these moments mm. in the body that yeah. um, feel like it's grounding it in science while it's also offering something really fantastical uh to the point where um i read that roger ebert wrote in his review that um oh they must have used uh, medical footage for some of the um backgrounds the special effects shots yeah. uh, and joe dante was like nah they <laughs> 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 actually posted um one of the like silicon red blood cells that they had yeah. from the set to roger ebert to prove that <laughs> it was a practical <laughs> element and they they did it all did it all in a stage, <laughs> stage warehouse somewhere. <laughs> it is, it is, tr- it's truly incredible. I, it, I, you don't see any seams, and I genuinely, you, you watch it today, and it, I, I cannot think how you could improve on the level of, um, believability is kind of a strong word for a film like this, but you know what I mean. It, it's, it's so yeah. convincing, yeah. and uh, yeah. it's just, it's such a cool concept. It, it, this kind of thing yeah. is absolute catnip to me. I love shrinking yeah, people blowing. movies. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love uh I love in <laughs> inside people's body movies. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> you know when you watch a film that has a great concept and you can see them squandering yeah. it throughout and you think, God, if only this had really, you know, taken it to town. This is the complete opposite. I feel like this movie just completely rinses that flannel yeah. dry of the concept and it's just Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, just thinking about it being released 34 years ago now mm-hmm. they're like the special effects are still still amazing it doesn't look outdated anyway they still hold up terrifically yeah. well um yeah could just can't fault fault the visual effects whatsoever no mm-hmm. no not so great <laughs> also point out those kind of like moments of body horror that you were mentioning uh yeah. going through frame by frame they're done yeah. by Ro- <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're done by Ro- <laughs> rob botton who's the rob botton yeah uh, that's right yeah yeah He's the yeah. animatronic guy behind, like the thing, and also yeah. the head, the total woman's recall. head in Total Recall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that that body horror element is again one of these like absolutely mind-boggling aspects of this. And <laughs> as two people who are, I think are more 
kind of engrossed in the lore of inner space, shall we say. Um, (laughs) The thing that was really baffling me throughout the whole thing was this capsule that uh, Tuck's in, that Tuck is commanding. Because you kind of get the sense that the the experiment is that they're trying to see um, what they what they can kind of discover in the body and it, um, what you can attach. But then everything that this craft can do just starts like getting so like outlandish. Yeah, and, like, yeah, before, yeah. When you think you've yeah. kind of hit the the deer of the capabilities <laughs> of this vessel, it throws something yeah. else out because it, it it, like yeah. it, not only can it attach <laughs> devices to optic nerves and eardrums. It can also manipulate any electrical current around it. Um, yeah. It's just slicing and dicing throughout Jack's yeah. body, and that, everything seems <laughs> yeah. to be okay. And yeah. it, it also has the capability to send currents through Jack's face and completely change the makeup of his appearance. <laughs> I, <laughs> and it can control his hormones. <laughs> I, I love how staunchly they refuse to deal with the practicality. Like There's a bit when he says... Uh, what's it designed for? <laughs> what, is the, what is the end game of this craft? That is the question I want. I, I, I wonder if you can answer. What is the end game? <laughs> when he's, he's, telling, he's telling Jack what it's going to do to his face, and he says, uh, the yeah. science is complicated. I don't really understand it myself. And that's all you get. That's all you get by way of an explanation. <laughs> yeah, he's like, let's, let's not do it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that bit when, um, when Kevin McCarthy's talking to, um, to Jack in the back of the meat truck, and he's really hamming it up and doing his cigar-chewing yeah. villain speech. Yeah. He talks about yeah. nuclear and outer space and the age of the militarization yeah. is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you, you get the sense that the end game for this is militarization right it's 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 a, yeah. a future form of warfare is that what vector scope are doing though well i, I think I guess because the existence of the fact that there are bloodthirsty rival yeah scientists out to get it as well yeah who are also developing their own tech but don't have the capability to Re-enlarge, re-enlarge and that's why they need the two chips which because that that was yeah. also a thing i kept losing track of I yeah was like, so why the two chips again <laughs> <laughs> which like funnily enough that that's kind of is the framing device for fantastic voyage too it's kind of it's much yeah. more overtly red scare based but it's um it's like the two two rival militarization labs and um the scientist has the secret for re-enlarging which is why they want to go inside and and th- uh you know i think it's a blood clot in his brain has got or something and fix that. Um, so it's funny that the, the 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 basic, the very basic framework has survived intact in this. So I I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think the aim is to militarize this thing? Is that what it's going for? <laughs> um, I f- I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's their aim. But you know, with with Scrimshaw, I I think he's just kind of you know a small time crook. He yeah. was just basically in it for the money. He kind of it kind of the film kind of sets up a bit of him being this kind of megalomaniac kind of hell-bent yeah. on taking over the world of militarization but then when he when he reveals that he, he doesn't give a shit he's, he's only in it yeah. for the money yeah. then he's yeah. like oh okay that kind of flips it on its head yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. he's a bit of a buffoon for <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like whoa <laughs> one, one thing i love the most the thing i love the most about dante is you know to go back to dennis quaid's quote i guess they do trade in a lot of these daft uh, cliches, but the, every single one Dante adds this weird little flourish to. So you've got the cowboy yeah. with his Spider-Man tie, like you pointed yeah. out, Martin, and the fact that he yeah. is having a clandestine romance with Margaret. Not the yeah. cowboy, not the cowboy. Sorry, I, uh, no the cowboy. I go, um, I go yeah, I go. And I then go, yeah. you've got yeah. um, <laughs> you've 
we've got Scrimshaw, who's got these big floofy dogs that he keeps feeding <laughs> that he keeps feeding raw eggs to. <laughs> Don't beg. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so he's in like this this pink lit office as well with his, with his foofy white dog. Yeah, that happens just before the vibrator yeah. moment. Uh <laughs> Like yeah, he's just like like illuminated pink, and then it kind of the camera uh, goes back, and it's just like a tiny bit of his office in a massive like warehouse room. It's just yeah, it's just yeah. A funny. Story. Yeah, it's so odd that bit. <laughs> yeah. Constantly puncturing uh, all of these archetypes that he's setting up, and then only Dante would would shrink the chief antagonist down to half size for the final act, just because. <laughs> you know, yeah. would it be funny if they look really small? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, they wouldn't figure out how to close it. I'll get you back for this vibrant. <laughs> it's just—it's <laughs> so. It's funny. a weird road gallery. Yeah. And also have Vernon Wells as I go, and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I was trying really hard not to imagine in a space with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Yeah. But yeah. if you then put someone who's riffing on the Terminator and also yeah. someone who was the bad guy from Commando, I'm yeah. not yeah. going to run away. I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I can't not put Arnie in here. <laughs> I, also, I don't um, really want to see it. <laughs> I, also, I also found out that the sunglasses that Mr. Igo wears are exactly the same sunglasses that Arnie wears in the Terminator as well. Nice. Um, so that was quite... <laughs> Quite, quite yeah, you can borrow these, Vernon. <laughs> there's even a slight, there's even a slight Terminator flourish to his mo- the motif in Goldsmith's score. It, it's kind of it goes a little yeah. bit, yeah, a little bit Terminator. Yeah. It um, does, it definitely. Um, so I, I, I want to get in a little bit to the performances, which, as as you mentioned at the top, Martin, are just fantastic across the board. It's such they a well balanced cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. My main takeaway watching it again this time is how much of a goddamn snack Dennis Quaid is. Jesus Christ, he's <laughs> hot in this movie. So <laughs> handsome, man. That grin. Yeah. That grin. That's Jeez. Six pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good looking guy back back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> such such skeezy charm. I think he he is. Yeah. His arc, I suppose, is the reformation of his character, the kind of getting yeah. getting clean yeah. and learning to be supportive as opposed to destructive. Yeah. Uh, but he's so yeah. so charming from the yeah. start that you, I think you do buy into him. Yeah, I think he also had the most challenging role where the fact mm. like he was like basically on his own throughout most yeah. of the film, yeah. just in this little pod. Like, it must be a challenge just to work on your own and, yeah. and you know, hopefully yeah. not be claustrophobic either. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because that <laughs> is yeah. not, there's not a lot of space in that capsule. No, there's no, no, there no, no way he's stretching his legs. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> but it pays off dividends to have, for the scenes uh, on Martin Short's end, to have Quaid off yeah. camera somewhere feeding him lines. Because yeah. you really, yeah. there's have... definitely a chemistry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... and I think Martin Short is like basically the main main scene stealer in the oh, whole yeah. film. Oh yeah, oh man, I can't think of anyone else now besides Martin Short to be to do that role. Um, yeah, yeah. Just how how he carried the role of a hypochondriac was <laughs> was great, and yeah. I can't think any any other actor that could do it as well as he could, to be honest. Just who's so good at being that tightly wound ball of anxiety? Yeah, that insecure. Just, yeah, because yeah. yeah. he yeah. can he can overdo it. Have you guys ever seen Clifford? The... No, no. no. He, he... I heard notorious <laughs> things about Clifford. <laughs> he, he plays an eight-year-old boy, and the kind of the joke is that it's Martin Short playing an eight-year-old boy, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but he goes full Martin Short in that, and it's uh, it, it it's you know for these delicate tastes a bit too much. 
but I think he he yeah. modulates it so well. Like, is that a good level? Yeah, here, like the scene sure. when I think when you first is it when you first meet? Oh no, when he goes to the doctor after getting his bottom injected. Yes. Yeah, and he's doing so much yeah. business in that scene in the background. Yeah. It's absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. This <laughs> how well he. Yeah. He does that. You're not possessed, Jack. Demon- <laughs> Demons talk through you, not, not to you. you. <laughs> <laughs> the closest I can see is you're having a theistic hysteria, which uh, the medieval remedy was to flay the skin off. I'm not sure what the modern treatment <laughs> <Yes>. is. <laughs> <laughs> I do like all the kind of characters in Jack's life from the Doctor to his yeah. boss. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 They're, yeah. They're, they're all... Yeah. They're all very like dialed into yeah, that kind of yeah, silly, yeah, reactive yeah. silliness, and also have those weirdly like uh, dark beats of themselves that come across as very, very funny. Yeah. And yeah. and just how like most of the time when this man is like in any other circumstance, you're looking at that and going, "This man needs help." They're all just like, "Just go away." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Henry Gibson as the boss is so the oh, uh, so he's brilliant. so yeah. hilariously yeah. severe. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh no! What have you done, Jack? What D- have you yeah. done, <laughs> Jack? <laughs> I, I, I think my fa- my favorite line of his is basically, um, "You've got a great future ahead of you in f- uh, retail food marketing." I hate to see you throw it all away by going psycho on us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that bit—that's oh, one of those like great Dante flavored lines. Yeah. <laughs> and that scene, you know, you know, when he lives out his nightmare of that woman being charged hundreds of thousands of dollars for her groceries. I don't carry that kind of change around, honey. And I think Martin yeah. Short really sells the anxiety. I get a little bit yeah. feverish watching that scene because he, he sells the, the panic attack of it all so much. But then I, just, yeah. I, I love how the manager and Wendy come and just compound his anxiety because the manager's all like, oh, what have you done? What have you done? Yeah. And then Wendy yeah. says, oh, Jack, you've really screwed up big time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unhelpful. And they just lay it no, on yeah. so thick. Yeah, no one's helping. <laughs> Nothing at any, any point really here. This feels like the first time he's actually making a friend and, it, yeah. and he has to make that friend by having him force it's uh yeah it's 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 so much fun and then you've got meg ryan who again it, i think on paper it looks a bit like a thankless girlfriend role but i do i think she brings mm. she brings something to it there's a real sense of competence and and just charm to her as well she's such a nice i love that yeah. late 80s meg ryan warmth you know this is such a nice lived in quality i think so her performances mm, yeah there's an undeniable charisma to her and i i do i do think that kind of the main beat that doesn't really work for me here is the uh the love triangle i've got i'm just not fully convinced by because <laughs> martin short is just i guess he's just being every audience member being like ah oh, this is meg ryan kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah, yeah. i i think she gets um, certainly, like as you say, on paper that's quite thankless, but that she is quite involved yeah, in the yeah. um, mo- <laughs> moving the plot along. If you can say that, because <laughs> <laughs> the, the plot is like a, a car going down a San Francisco road <laughs> with its brakes cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I think Joe Dante is very good at, at casting the right people in these smaller roles yeah. as well because yeah. every role pretty much has different shades to it and is, is just a tremendous amount of fun uh, 
casting I think it really tips his hat with the casting of Kevin McCarthy he's always had that B-movie yeah. fascination I guess coming from his origins as a Corman guy and um, yeah Kevin McCarthy he's also in a Piranha and Howling uh-huh. isn't he yeah yeah McCarthy. yeah yeah He's one of yeah Dante's. He's good to his guys. He's he's got that roster of people. yeah yeah. He he works with people like a lot of people like both in front mm-hmm. of and behind. He like yeah constant like our boy yeah. Jerry yeah uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of, like some of the best work that Jerry Goldsmith has ever done as uh, Martin said up top is with Dante mm-hmm. for the yeah, for the most absolutely. part yeah. yeah 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 um just a tremendous amount of fun and then also um was um. Sorry, I'm sorry no, to no. cut in. Um, was um, Dick Miller like in all of Joe Dante's films? Did he cast in all of them? I, th- I think... Pretty sure he's in every, I think, every one. I think it's yeah, literally yeah. everyone save for his last one because I think Miller was... I think Miller had died by that point. No, I think, I think he's in yeah. Burying the X. Is he? Okay. I think, yeah, Dick okay. Miller only died is... a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, because yeah. there's a little um, graphic on Wikipedia that it's got a little X in, in the column. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and there's yeah, yeah. D- Dick Miller is in in everything save for Splatter and Nightmare Cinema. Nightmare Cinema, I think, is a anthology movie, so that doesn't count anyway. Okay, uh, not not under that one. <laughs> yeah, and then oh yes, Splatter is an interactive short horror film, and yeah, so yeah, so you're right. It is for all yeah. intents and purposes yeah. every single yeah. one. Dick Miller's every there. Yeah, cause one. I, I know he's <laughs> one of like Dante's like favorite actors. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just there's it's that Joe Dante thing of of taking these B movie <clears throat> stalwarts and repackaging them in this, uh, mm. in this this very eighties, yeah, context. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. I just, I, I just, I, I love what he's doing. <laughs> I love how true Dante is to to his tastes and his perspective, mm. even such as like sprinkling the background with. With Bugs Bunny dolls and <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I noticed dolls. that last time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I I do like the way he paces it because mm. like yes, uh, I I've talked about how this is kind of like a, a, a mad ride that is does feel completely like it's going off on its own own course of action without much of much of a rail underneath it. But like the way he kind of like it teases you in with that kind of. We, like the score's nice and strange mm. and alien esque, and over these like really really cool images of being right in in on a ice cube on a microscopic level, and then pulling out and letting the kind of yeah. story unfold from there. It's it, it <laughs> it's a nice kind of settler to then just kind of that that kind of climb up the roller coaster before it kind of just completely yeah uh, takes you for for a ride. Yeah, it, and, and he he's always been quite good at that. Really, and I, I think in a space, particularly the like the whole final act where um, <laughs> everything's just kind of going mad, where Tuck keeps switching, mm. like Tuck switches between Jack and Lydia at one point, yeah. and then uh, Jack gets Igo stuck into him, to, <laughs> yeah. so Igo can go and retrieve Jack, and like despite knowing the fact that there is another small man in him, still asks Lydia to kiss him so he can get him back. <laughs> Which I didn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but just, it does lead to a, a good little. Uh, I think you've just got to find find your way to have that fun uh, hovering above a vat of stomach acid. Action yeah, man. <laughs> and I, I love how he's got to get a bit of acid reflux to help vanquish the baddie. Yeah, <laughs> get nervous, Jack. <laughs> just, just a bad guy. 
<laughs> you yeah. just digested the bad guy. <laughs> are you are you telling me I just digested the bad guy? I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a kind of Arnie one-off liner he could say for when he drops a man in stomach acid. <laughs> he always was a piece of shit. <laughs> 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 oh, is it man. too late to oh, just remake the script with Arnold Schwarzenegger in? <laughs> I, I, I want this to happen now yeah I'll do like it. a deep fake of uh, Arnie in the 80s and just slot it in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord it's just so much fun I mean, even talking about it yeah. is 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 just tremendous fun. It's making me yeah. want to watch it all over again. I just, I just... yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I had a interesting reading of the ending that I wanted to share with you. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, yeah. Because, because we have, we have another ending similar to uh, the Money Pit, in which um, yeah. there's a wedding <laughs> between Tuck and uh, Lydia, where every character we've met across the movie is at this wedding, including Jack, Boss, <laughs> and Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. Who, to my knowledge, did not meet Tuck or Lydia across this yeah. escapade. No, yeah. um, and it kind of ends on the promise of a of a new adventure with uh, Jack yeah. and Lydia driving off into the sun sunset. But um, the Vic, Kevin McCarthy's character uh, and uh, the what's her uh, Margaret, yeah. Margaret. Yeah. Margaret, yeah. Yeah, Fiona Lewis's character. Yeah. And, and they're 50% sizes. They're in the boot. Yeah. Jack realizes what's happening and goes racing off in yeah. uh, Jack Pats the rescue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't help but kind of re like, because I know he's gone on this whole arc where he's uh, trying to find the strength to be more confident in himself. But <laughs> just these like little details of just uh, the characters that are there. And the kind of um, set up for like an adventure where Jack's the hero riding off into the distance with a red car. I just kept sat there going, I think he's imagining yeah. this and he's had a complete breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it like that, to be honest. Because um, <laughs> I, I would always like sit down and watch the um, end credits and I always like. I was yeah. I always wondered to myself what would happen in the sequel. I, I, yeah, I always yeah. wanted the sequel to happen for many years. Um, yeah. Of course, it never happened because it was a box office flop at the time. Um, but yeah, just seeing the uh, Jack Parker's car like chase after yeah. the, limous- the wedding limousine around the mountain. Um, I'm like, oh, how would what would happen next? Like, how would Jack Parker like go up against them and how would yeah. he defeat them? And yeah, it's just it just makes me sad that we'll never get a sequel. It's thirty <laughs> years too late. So, yeah, yeah we'll go that sad. honey i blew out the kids yeah. 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 next time just yeah. get real martin short more like Mar- martin large do you want to no no that was good do you want to take that again because that was martin short more like martin tool leave this leave that whole leave that whole bit in oh i'll take any of that out yeah please don't but I, I do love it. this is such a packed movie. Joe Dante even said that he thinks comedies should be no more than 80 minutes, but this is so long yeah. because there's so much. Oh, yeah, this is through. a long one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I also, love... it's actually the. 
Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Go I, I, I love the fact that there's so much in this movie. There's a whole car chase set piece that takes place in yeah. wide over the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This say, is also sorry. actually the, the kind of uh, longest film that Joe Dante's ever mm-hmm. made as well. It's like uh, yeah, two that hours. Checks it's like out. the most longest film. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a longie. Like, Meg, Meg Ryan is. is um, you see her a bit at the start, and she she's off screen until almost yeah, an hour she's in. Yeah, for a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and yeah, because it, it gets a uh, where they get into grips with each other. That's yeah. quite a big chunk, really, yeah. isn't mm. it? Where it's uh, yeah, yeah, Jack yeah. freaking yeah. out and trying to figure it all yeah. out. Yeah, it's also it's also like it it takes an hour into the film before you get to see Victor Scrimshaw as well. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. Doesn't show up until mm. an hour into the film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, 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 I to me, I, I'm, I'm always the first person to say, well, this movie could definitely have been ninety minutes, and you know, it, it's excess and bloated and flabby. I, I, <laughs> I probably should have more of that view to this film, but I don't. I think, I think it works. I think it's so much fun. My attention never flags, and no, uh, I, no. I, I, could, I, yeah. could, I could take more. I could, I could definitely yeah. take more. I mean, there, there are some films <laughs> where I check the running time if I'm getting a little bit bored. Yeah. But with this film, I kind of lose myself completely in it, and I don't care about the running time. I just have a, such a such an amazing time watching yeah. this film every time. So, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't fault <laughs> it. <laughs> and there's also the one thing that I should credit this film for is it introduced a bit of Sam Cook from a young age. Because uh, they have yeah. um, Cupid and Twisted in this movie, and uh, mm. I just I, I very much <clears throat> like that touch. I did enjoy that. Like as soon as they established that, there's like, all right, we're on the we're on the clock here. I'm going to run out of oxygen in a, in a few hours. We we should probably get going. The first thing they do is like, let's have a drink and a dance first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's Marty do his silly dance for a bit. That uh, yeah, that's people a, like this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Martin Short's got a, a contractual obligation to have five minutes of going full short because he he goes off the chain in that scene. He's doing all sorts of yeah, you know, un, unbridled Martin Shortisms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was also wondering if he did his own stunts because there's that car chase mm. in the in the middle where he breaks out from uh, Scrimshaw's clutches out of the back after he's being held in a freezer truck. Yeah, um, that is in in motion, and Meg Ryan's following in the red car. There's yeah. like that that moment of practical action, and it like it's it looks all out on the road, and yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. shooting it, and yeah. it look and it generally looks like it's Martin Short mm. playing himself yeah. from the <laughs> the back door of a van, and I was like, ah, oh, cool, <laughs> <laughs> good wires, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, coming. I need. I need... Mm. Oh, no, no, go on, I'm just gonna say. I was gonna say. I need to. Yeah, I need to find out if he'd done all of his own stunts in that scene. Mm. I don't really know. Mm. Yeah, I need to find out. I, I, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if he didn't, because it like, this, this is much for the time they did facial replacement for mm. stunt yeah, yeah. actors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's good. I think it's, it's all, it's all good action. It's all like lucid and clear. One thing I love that this and Fantastic Voyage have in common is that the. All the set pieces are clearly set up and clearly contextualized, so you know exactly what's at stake in a given moment, which just allows you to really be taken with it. And I think... although I I, ne- I never quite understood the track he was taking in in the body, as it were, because <laughs> sometimes he's up in the air, and sometimes yeah. he's down at, near near the heart, and then sometimes it, he always seems to be around the mouth when someone's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were in the ear, but then you just swapped saliva, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, just uh, yeah, it's just a, a, such a great balance. 
what are the kind of like other great shrinking movies that come to your your minds when you like i i feel like for like particularly for for you martin this is the creme de la creme of uh, shrink to cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guessed right. Um, no, whenever I think of yeah, whenever I think of um, um, shrinking people films, I always think of Honey I Shrunk the Kids because that's another yeah another film I watched throughout my childhood. Yeah, yeah pinnacle same. of my childhood. Yeah. It sounds like we had quite similar childhoods, Martin, from the from the sounds of this. <laughs> yeah, I think might have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> like both it. raised on shrinking movies. I I yeah, wish <laughs> I really wish that Honey I Shrunk the Kids was an Amblin film because again it's another one of those mm. kind of like explorers that has a real feel of it. Um, yeah, yeah, and and Joe, well, <laughs> we can maybe take up all our Jurassic Park three episode time <laughs> yeah, talking about yeah. Joe Johnston. Honey <laughs> I, mean, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> yeah, Joe Johnston's another guy who I, I I think is a very underrated. I mean, we often talk about <laughs> about how much we appreciate his. I think he's often brushed away as a kind of sub Spielberg guy, but I think he does bring um, uh, a, a lot of, of of consummate craftsmanship uh, to his to his work, and and the the practical effects in Honey I Shrunk the Kids are really fun as well. That's another one that I they are. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't watched that yeah, in a while. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I haven't watched that one in a while, so I can't speak to whether or not that's aged as well as this effects wise. But I don't I think it has, to be honest. No, no, <laughs> no. I think yeah, I think some of the effects are pretty outdated. Yeah, my favorite memory of that film though is going to Walt Disney mm. uh, yeah. resort in Florida, yeah. and there's mm. the giant playground that's oh, designed wow. to look yeah, like yeah. the backyard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. And there was also <laughs> that um, virtual reality ride thing where you get shrunk. You're watching this thing, and you're sitting in the seats that move with you, and you get shrunk down. And um, they, it's a 4D experience. Have you ever been? I think it's an Epcot. I think. Honey, I um, think I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, Honey, we shrunk the audience. I think it is, which is yeah. which is yeah. Funny. I, I, I remember that. that. Rats run along <laughs> yeah. the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the inner space for the experience? <laughs> I know. I want to. Yeah, exactly, I want to get yeah. inserted into Martin <laughs> Short's body. Come on, man. <laughs> um, the other, another, I think one of the shrinking film staples um, I saw a year or two ago is The Incredible Shrinking Man from the fifties. Oh right, yeah. Which is yeah. um nineteen fifty seven that was made. And that is one that it starts off in a in a very, very heightened B movie vein, but by the end it takes on this really dark existentialist bent. <laughs> and it's it's not quite Good what you Lord. expect going in. Yeah, it it couldn't be further away from inner space, but yeah, I can't quite remember how it ends. I think it just keeps on shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. <laughs> oh God! And and yeah, and 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 it, it it goes to some incredibly dark places. But that one is great. That that's that's that, a bit of an outlier in in yeah. this usually very very I, daft subgenre. <laughs> I've never seen that film, but I know like as a, a film in joke, they've um they. The actor that plays uh, Jack Potter's doctor is mm. also played the doctor in the Incredible Shrinking oh, yeah. Man as well. So he oh, did nice. that as kind of an in joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good Dante nod <laughs> that, there. That, 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 <laughs> yeah. Have either of you seen um? But yeah, the the Incredible Shrinking Woman. No, no, that's no, on my to no, watch list. My shrinking <laughs> to watch list. Yeah, that that's very good. Uh, Joel Schumacher, I think it might it might be. If not his first film, at least one of his first films. 
uh, that's got Lily Tomlin and Charles Grodin in it, and as a that's a good comedy foil to lead your shrinking comedy. I mean, you, you you had me at Charles Grodin. Well, you had me at shrinking, but if you didn't have me at shrinking, you'd have me at Charles Grodin. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other, any other shrinking man films you recommend? Uh, I'm I trying to think. I've, I've I've actually I've 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 got a letterbox list going where I'm shrinking okay. shrinking films. Uh, aside from the ones we've mentioned, <laughs> I'll make it public after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I I looked. At, there's a there's a great BFI article actually, which I, I can pop in the episode description. That that that's like an intro, an introduction to the Sh- shrinking man film, <laughs> of which okay. there are there are not too many of them. Um, the Ant Man. I I. I I, I mean, for obvious reasons, I have a huge soft spot for particularly Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think really oh, it, yeah, it has film. that final act of inner space energy to it, I think, which really, mm. really, really works. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. It's I, surprising I think... to me that Meg Ryan wasn't cast as yeah, uh, the, Michelle the original yeah. Wasp. Yeah. Because yeah. that yeah. feels like that they would have been wanting to make that nod. So maybe they considered it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's pretty much as far as my shrinking movie um uh you know canon knowledge goes i don't know if there's <laughs> i looked up there's a category on wikipedia uh films about m- people miniaturizing and it's disappointingly wide-reaching and uh, it doesn't quite give me oh, what i, I need. Oh. the the, oh. the one that i wish that i could include in in this list is alexander payne's downsizing but my god I, oh I, no that's a that there's a dire. terrible yeah, film a oh. it's yeah. surprising just how bad that film gets yeah, the trailer looked really great. Yeah. I was won over by the trailer, and then when I was this film, I was like, "Oh, what is yeah. going on? Yeah, this is this is real. This stinks. This film stinks." <laughs> it, 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 um... Very, very strange white saber yeah. route in that movie, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Alexander Payne's a really great director. I love all of his films, but this film, I don't know where he went wrong with this one. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it was complete, uh, complete coming off the back of what was he off the back of? Was it Nebraska? Nebraska, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is really good. Yeah. Um, looking at the the sight and sound list here, uh, they've got 1903's Alice in Wonderland, which I I think the whole thing's actually. It's going to say with Alice in Wonderland count as a shrinking movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, yeah. there's a nod to that in in yeah, space at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was uh, eat me, drink me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got um, Todd Browning's. 1936, The Devil Doll, which is not one of The Exorcist. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got uh, Doctor Cyclops from 1940, which looks there's an image here that which very much looks like a uh, shrinking people, uh, and then everything else we've mentioned. So it's not. I mean, yeah, it's not a it's not a huge subgenre, unfortunately. So it's, it's no. I think it's time for uh, more shrinking person. More, films, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> bring them yeah. on. <laughs> Would you want an inner space follow up or an inner space remake? Well, we we've often no, spoken, haven't uh, we, about doing a remake, <laughs> a, a dream casting for the remake. But um, oh, watching it again, this is such a perfect balance. I don't know if I want them to go near it. What do you think, Martin? As as a, a died in the world um, space head. To be honest, I think they've kind of some people mentioned about a remake, but I just don't want it to happen. Mm. Uh, I don't think they can recapture the magic of this <laughs> film. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I've always wanted a follow up, but like I said, it's thirty years too late. Um, and you know, unfortunately, there are a few cast members that have now passed away, like Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. He yeah. passed away in twenty ten. Um, 
Yeah, and a few others. Uh, obviously, Dick Miller. Obviously, was only a tiny, small cameo role in it. But yeah, it's yeah, um, yeah. It's sad. It's, if they if they, they were planning on making a sequel, or if they had enough money to greenlight a sequel, it would have been kind of a few years after mm-hmm. the the first one got released in eighty yeah. seven. It was just it's just kind of too too late now. Yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, and I feel like Dante is quite averse to sequels anyway. And the only one that he mm. did, Gremlins two, <laughs> was yeah completely unbridled yeah. insanity. Yeah. So I wonder if he'd have gone down that yeah. route if he was yeah. Yeah, yeah. I this. don't know if you guys knew, but like there was kind of like a massive surge for the love of inner space on Twitter a few years ago. I didn't know and, that. No. Yeah, and Joe Dante came on Twitter and he said, "Why is everyone talking about in <laughs> my film Inner Space all of a sudden?" And <laughs> someone replied back to him and they were like, "Because it's good, Joe." <laughs> you like it, Joe? <laughs> yeah. I like that. Fair no, enough, I don't yeah. think I don't think Joe. I don't think Joe Darty, uh, really got the love for it all of a sudden. But it's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those films that are just oh, it's just so good, so great. Yeah, yeah. I could talk about it for England. Oh man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll be the manacle. Your mastermind subject is. <laughs> <laughs> The Martin Machine, <laughs> oh, zero defects. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I love this film. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it is tremendous fun. And one of the nice things about it not being a huge 80s staple is that you, yeah, you can sometimes introduce it to people and it's, uh, it, it's, it's fun yeah, to share it with Yeah, that's a good point. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> I was describing it to my girlfriend afterwards and like, and she, and she was just like yeah. saying, what? I <laughs> 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 to kind of like any new element. You're like, no, yeah, all this, all this genuinely happens. I'm not just, ad- I'm not playing ad libs here. <laughs> this all genuinely happens. Andy, did you fall asleep in the middle and dream some of it? <laughs> <laughs> Unless we all had a collective dream. <laughs> <laughs> This is basically my main concern, like trying to explain this film to someone who's never seen it before or heard of it before. It's usually kind of, because I, I feel like um, people our age, like people born in the 70s or early 80s would have got, would have seen this film and understand this film. Yeah. But it's like kind of young millennials they explain it to. It's like kind of, uh, they, they just, well, if I try to explain the plot to them, they just kind of give me a big frown and they'll be like, what? Come again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, because. Trying to explain the plot line, I, I suppose it does kind of sound wacky to other people that have never seen this film before. So, yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, yeah. but you're yeah, like, nah, that's in the space, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the movie in which it's not enough to just have... Dave Dennis Quaid shrunk down and put inside Martin Short. You've also got to have the Terminator guy. You've got to have that weird yeah. love triangle. You've got to have this yeah. sort of B movie. Body horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there really is so much going on in a two hour film. Yeah. yeah. Like they've packed so much in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think just kind of for my final thoughts on the film itself, it's like it, it, it's completely mad, but I do think it's quite like a. One of these like charming, unabashedly silly eighties blockbusters that like is very particular to the eighties, and yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. you don't see a huge a huge amount of this kind of uh, unabashed go for broke approach yeah. to a high concept mm. these days. Uh, so it does have that it, like inexplicable charm to it that is mm. completely baked mm. into yeah Dante's own sensibilities as well. I think yeah, but yeah. Another strong Dante Amblin offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Love the inner space. 
love the silly and i, just, I love like it's a yeah like like you said i just love when a movie owns its silliness and it's not ashamed by it mm. and it completely no definitely embraces not. it mm. yeah 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 any fi- final thoughts yourself martin uh there was actually one something else i wanted to include actually yeah. it's a bit it's a bit of an angry rant so it's not nothing to do with the film um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically three years ago in 20 uh sorry 2017 um someone kind of um brought to my attention that um inner space was coming out on blu-ray steelbook for the first time mm. um so because this is like the kind of 30th anniversary of the film i was like i was like kind of jumped at a chance so um yeah. Basically, Savvy was doing the Blu-ray steelbook. I was like, oh, take all my money. I don't care how much it costs. I need to, <laughs> I need to own this on Blu-ray steelbook. And I thought, because it was released on its 30th anniversary, I thought it'd be um, loaded with lots mm. of new special features. Yeah. So the com- commentary that we already have with the, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Dante and Kevin McCarthy that we already have on the DVD. Um, and I thought we'd have lots, lots of outtakes, deleted scenes and stuff like that. Then when when I finally received the steelbook at home uh, and I found out that it was just literally a digital transfer from the DVD to Blu-ray. Uh, nothing changed Weird. in the picture or sound and there was no special features whatsoever. It just kept the same audio commentary from the DVD and I was heartbroken because <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to see like a making of documentary. Nice still? <laughs> the, case was, the case was great. Yeah, the case was nice but I was just so heartbroken yeah. that it had no special features whatsoever, especially in the 30th anniversary anniversary it would i was heartbroken it's the sort yeah. of thing like you see a few like particularly warner brothers films like this is where they uh some of them don't like get very big mm. anniversary packages and mm. have to kind of have that big uh I, I, the main one i can think of is when the iron giant got like that signature edition mm-hmm. yeah, the, yeah um uh for that film's uh 15th anniversary i want to say back in like 2014 um, yeah uh so yeah, I like. I feel like if we get enough of the <laughs> inner space heads to make some <laughs> yeah, noise, yeah, yeah, Warner yeah. Brothers will feel compelled to put yeah. <laughs> not just Blu-ray, baby, yeah. go 4K. <laughs> <laughs> can you can yeah, you get the uh, can you get inner space Twitter to to mob Criterion maybe? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that'd be the dream. Well, that, it Take is... its place on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't seem beyond. Reason that uh, someone like Arrow could do a, a nice little bumper, but yeah. they just they yeah, just did. Um, I did think about that. They just did Tremors, and they've got Dune coming out soon. <laughs> David Lynch's yeah. Dune coming out yeah. soon. So. I recently watched uh, Tremors the other day, actually mm. on um, Netflix. I love. I loved oh, it. Oh man, yeah. I mean, we could, we could. How much time have you got? Because we could we could spend <laughs> hours so about Tremors. Part two. Got all the time to work today. <laughs> well, uh, can we add that to our eventual Patreon list, Andy? When we do Crocodile yeah. Dundee, so, Wild so Wild far. West. <laughs> Tremors is the first one that I've gone yeah okay <laughs> it's the first one where I'm like yep yeah, uh, <laughs> I could do that one <laughs> oh dear uh, oh. any more for any more chats before we w- wind up this mi- <laughs> big miniaturised discussion of just um, <laughs> I just feel like more people need to watch this film yeah, it's so yeah, underrated definitely it- it needs. To, it deserves more attention than what it's getting. To be honest, yeah, um, yeah. It's. I I think it's a film that everyone will love. There's there's. An, I can't see any issue with this film whatsoever, and I'm I'm sure anyone who doesn't know about this will have a great time in this film. There's you could just. It's just completely thoughtless. You can't. There's yeah. no flaws with this film yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. 
I, I really love your enthusiasm. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah, thank this. you. I've got to say, we, we have, we've had a bit of a run of episodes of being a bit down on movies, so it's nice to just have an unabashed mm. love fest. So I'm pleased, oh, good, good. Good today. I'm pleased that you could be here for this, mate. Oh, thank you. Cheers. It's, it's an honour being here as well. Thank you for bringing me on there. <laughs> And who knows? Next year is the thirty fifth anniversary, so maybe the four K <laughs> package will yeah. come. Think, think it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's when we when we tweet this out, we should we should tag Arrow in it and uh, see. I'm a big lover of Arrow video. I collect all their Arrow video Blu rays so I'm, I might have to get on that with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Start a petition. Put yeah. good work. Alrighty. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be t- taking things a, a, a little more seriously. I think it would be fair to say. <laughs> as we're, we're, we'll be taking a look at Spielberg's 1987 adaptation of J.B. Ballard's novel, Empire of the Sun. And uh, if you want to watch this film along with us and don't happen to have it on disc, you can rent or buy the film digitally over on Amazon, Apple TV, Chile, Microsoft Store, Rakuten TV and Sky Store. I liked your rolled R then. That was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if you've got any thoughts about the film or the book that it's based on, then do tweet us at ramblinamblin, or you can email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. That is perfect. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, likewise, if you've, got any belated, if you've got any belated thoughts about Enter Space, please do share them and uh, yeah, tell everyone share the you know. Enter Space love. We can't get yeah. this 4K without please you. Do. <laughs> <laughs> In a space high, rise. <laughs> Do that Japanese chant that <laughs> Duck gives Jack. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is just remind me. <laughs> oh well. Uh, well, yeah. I think all that's left to say is once again, thank you, Martin. Your enthusiasm has been second to none for this movie. It's been an absolute oh. delight to have you. You're very welcome. Very welcome. And Josh, uh, always lovely to see you. I know you were excited for this one, and I I, I hope it's lived up to your to your small big expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I could I could talk about this uh, like Martin to the cows come home, and probably will when when I come off this chat. (laughs) As you should. (laughs) I could I could twist the night away as. And of course, a big thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for our episode on Empire of the Sun. Until then, take care and goodbye. Let the good times roll. Here's a man in evening clothes. How he got here, I don't know. But man, you want to see him go twisting the night away. He's dancing with the chicken slacks. She's moving up and back Oh man, there ain't nothing like Twisting the night away Twisting the night Twisting the
I didn't know dancing could be so much fun. <laughs> you ought to try it with a girl sometime. <laughs>